You're listening to the greatest multifamily investment advice show. My name is Adam Ross, and now I'm talking everything multifamily for an in-depth conversation, and I will be diving deep into raising capital, deals, and underwriting process. Welcome back to the greatest multifamily advice show. Today we have Jose Jefferji, Canadian real estate investor with a significant portfolio in the United States. Help me to welcome the principal of the Savey Real Estate Group. Yeah, thanks, Adam, for having me. Thanks so much for being with, uh, with us today, and I appreciate you taking the time. So uh, I would like to start with the beginnings as a multifamily investor. What was the beginning for you? Yeah, so just like uh, a lot of other investors, uh, I started way back in 2007 by my first property, a uh, single-family home. You know, I was uh, trying to do a flip and uh, right here, not too far from me in Brampton, hmm. we found a power of sale uh, property hmm. at, uh, at the time in, in, in 07. And, uh, you know, I thought, uh, you know, I was watching a lot of uh, reality TV shows like Flip This House. Hmm. Um, so I thought, why not do the same thing and make some money at it? So hmm. that's what I did. I, I took action, but I had no knowledge or no investing experience at all. I just took a a loan from my dad and um, I was working I know, as a working as an engineer so mm. I could qualify and get a get a loan at the time so you know I did manage to buy that property mm. uh, fix it up got, and um, when I was trying to sell it the market had kind of gone down a little bit so and I over improved and of course I didn't know the number so I ended up losing around, uh, you know, $7,000 on that first deal. So, so this is so the power of sale. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, and then later on, uh, I started, uh, you know, buying in other markets. Uh, actually, I started off in uh, Windsor, Ontario. Hmm. Um, at the time, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. So chose just the, the most, uh, I guess, cheapest market uh, in Ontario at the time. I had Correct. a lot of deals available even on MLS. So I, I went in and uh, just, you know, bought aggressively a uh, number of properties. Uh, some I did some flips on, some we did uh, buy and hold. You know, we bought some uh, fourplexes, triplexes, mm. and um, dealt with a lot of challenges. Um, and then moved on, educated myself a little bit further, um, and then buy, start, started buying in better areas. So you started and, on Windsor back to 2010, 12, or recently? Yeah, to, uh, Windsor was around uh, 2010, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, back then, I think the price was like 70 and 80 per door. Yeah. And not per door, well, by single family. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I bought stuff for... Um, even cheaper than that, like 60,000 for a single family home. Okay. Um, I actually bought a, uh, for 80,000, a triplex. Okay. And, and, uh, that was my, my first deal was actually kind of a life changing Hmm. because I immediately, you know, uh, there was, I dealt with some bad tenants and, and I I rehabbed the property, uh, spent around 16,000 to renovate. And then I, and I, within like four months, I refinanced the property and I got a check from my lawyer at, of around 50,000. Okay. And that was like, 
that was the, officially the birth strategy. Yes. You know, that's when I'm like, I, I knew I was onto something, you know, that this is what I want to do. Hmm. Um, and then I, you know, I actually started investing in, in, uh, in, uh, us as well. We bought, um, a number of uh, duplexes. Um, and then, you know, as time evolved, I, I educated myself and got into better markets like Hamilton. Our portfolio right now is primarily in Hamilton, um, uh, in the East End in Oshawa, uh, as well as Kitchener, like, uh, Cambridge, uh, Brantford. Um, right. Yeah. So you have a heavily uh, focus on South Ontario and also US. Correct. Yeah. We have around 150 units in Ontario. Hmm. Um, and uh, we primarily buy now 20 to 30 unit buildings. We, we used to buy 20 to 30 unit buildings in Ontario. Hmm. A like, year, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Per, 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 like, per multifamily property. Yeah. And then, um, when things got so competitive and tight and the numbers start didn't make sense, we started exploring in the U.S. market. Hmm. So and, yeah. what was the upside for you? Uh, because you opened the subject of Ontario and U.S. So what was the main points far from, I think the price-wise, uh, Berdour was a, a game changer between U.S. and uh, um, Ontario. Also the cab rate uh, is another issue. But for you, what was... Uh, upside of us versus ontario yeah the biggest thing is that uh you know it was getting very difficult to make the numbers work hmm. um especially if you you know we primarily our strategy was uh in ontario was we didn't really we work with a lot of hard money we didn't do um any kind of any kind of uh, equity raises okay because for from my point of view, it didn't make sense to have uh, equity raises when you cannot do a performa based on executing a business plan because mm. uh, you don't know when you're gonna get that tenant turnover, um, um, how much yeah. you're gonna when you know when you're gonna be able to raise the rents. So so hard for for anyone to do a projection on a performa to present to investors because. Your business plan could go uh, one way or the other way, right? Because I think the, you're mentioning to a main subject, which is rent control on South Ontario, because That's you cannot right. have evicted uh, unit until uh, you have the unit empty already. Yeah, exactly. So it is not as landlord friendly. Yeah. Right. And whereas in in the U.S. in South uh, Southeast U.S. Yeah. Uh, like I primarily focus in on uh, state of Georgia, Texas, and uh, Florida. The red states. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and those are landlord friendly. Yeah. They have no rent control. Yeah. And and uh, provide really good cash flow too. Okay. So yeah. It becomes easier for you to raise money when you have a a great deal that you can present to your investors. Hundred percent. And you have a, you know, at least a plan to implement your business um, opportunity because you, you know that you're going to get a certain number of turnover hmm. and you're going to raise the rents a certain way. Um, you know, whereas things are a little bit more, at least you can put it in your performa what your rents are going to be after how many vacancies you can incorporate um, to, you know, how much 
how much increase in, in net operating income you can actually mm. get to, right? Whereas over here, you're, you're kind of relying on natural turnover. Perhaps you, you know, you got to work out a deal with the existing tenant, but there's really, you're, you're, there's uh, not really a, a proper uh, way to implement that, right? It's not predictable because from my personal experience, you know, I, we own several buildings and, and some buildings work out much better than others. Mm. Some we're just, nobody wants to move, right? So we can't get that turnover that we were originally looking for. So you're referring to cash for keys? Correct, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to ask you a direct question here about uh, the actual evolution for you to change to US market. So if we're comparing Apple to Apple uh, performance-wise, so if what is your previous um, internal rate of return between Ontario before and your target market now in US, in Atlanta? So when you're comparing, what is the upside number-wise? Yeah, good, great question. So when I'm analyzing underwriting a deal in the US, I'm looking for a couple of different uh, metrics. So number one is cash on cash return. Yes. You know, we target at least um, seven to uh, seven percent or higher cash on cash return. Yes. Um, Which is uh, here five percent. In Ontario, maximum what you can get here cash on cash return is about five percent. Oh, not even. Yeah. Not even. <laughs> well, initially, when you're buying a property, you're yeah. going to be negative cash flow. Uh, yes, uh, the cap rate right now is about three, two and a half in some places. Then you're gonna have yes, negative cash flow, correct? Yeah. So, so uh, with with the properties that we're buying, we're cash flowing on day in day on day one. Yeah. You know, seven to eight eight uh, percent. Yeah. Uh, some deals uh, that we recently closed on it was over ten percent. Hmm. Um, however, now with the uh, interest rate hikes, you know, cash on cash has dropped a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and the second thing we look at is the total return. We Our mm. goal is to double the investor's money in five to six years. So equity multiplier is equal to? Two. On, on a pro forma for five years. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And then... Um, uh, the yeah, other thing we look at is IRR. We want it to be at least, you know, uh, fifteen percent to eighteen percent IRR. Okay, good. And uh, cap rate. Cap rate. Uh, cap rate. You know, the ones we're buying currently are around four, four, uh, four and a quarter. Even in US. Yeah. Okay. There's going no in cap rate when we purchase, yes. Oh, okay. And, and then when we, we do a conservative underwriting on our exit cap is usually, you know, um, on this specific deal would be close to five. Okay. So also your target also, is, uh, I think this is another lesson for listeners is your opportunities have to have like a potential, which is basically the, um, the ratio between the expense, the current expenses to the NOI. So usually if it's above 50%, 60%, you're going to see potentials that you can enhance uh, the performance to have a better NOI. I think this is another upside, I think, about US or your model anyway, because you're looking for, to enhance the management, enhance the expenses to have a better NOI and raise the actual income of the building. Yeah, 100%. And that's a, that's a great point that you brought up because 
in the U.S., there's also a lot of uh, opportunities to increase uh, income by charging for uh, additional things. You know, we call it ancillary income. Yeah. So, for example, we can provide um, washer and dryer hmm. um, for additional $25 fee or $50 fee. Yeah. We can provide, uh, you know, there's a uh, trash fee. There's a pet fee. There is an application yeah. fee. Yeah. Um, you know, there's um, so many things that you can charge depending on the property and the profile and the demographic. Hmm. Uh, essentially, whatever you can charge, and 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 um, your tenants are okay with it, you can you can go ahead and do it, right? So it's unlike here where you're capped at okay, you know, you can only charge rent and maybe parking and hmm. you know and laundry, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of other income opportunities that you can add on mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. uh, your strategy based on which asset class, uh, neighborhood-wise and building-wise? You're looking for B buildings or C buildings? So. Uh, yeah, we primarily focus on class C and uh, also some B as well. Neighborhood-wise or uh, building-wise? Building-wise. So, and neighbor? Uh, neighborhood, we were... Um, so we're, uh, we're working on our second deal, which is in a much better neighborhood com- mm. in contrast to the last one. Mm. Uh, we want it to be a, a neighborhood, obviously, which has, it's kind of an emerging neighborhood, rapid, rapidly growing, you know, uh, low crime rate. So those are the most important things. And of course, uh, you know, it's close to transportation hubs mm. and employment hubs. Uh, and, and I'm primarily targeting larger cities in the U.S. So for example, Atlanta, Dallas, um, and uh, Jacksonville, Florida. So these uh, these are all large metro areas. You know, you I have a question about this. Yeah. Uh, do you think it's more uh, challenges? Is it more challenges on the big cities like this because you're uh, looking for appreciated market beside an actual cash flow? I think the challenge is more than like when you're looking to Alabama, for example. When uh, the price per door is less, of course, the appreciation is going to be less, but the competition at the same time less. So how you manage to have this balance of, uh, because I'm not going to say you're a newbie, but for the US market to work on a big deals on multifamily, you're, you're new to the market. How you manage to figure this out, to manage this balance, uh, because you have to offer something better than the other investor on this uh, competitive market yeah no that's a good question we so it's all about building relationships Mm. right and um so we have uh, we have a strong relationship with the broker uh, in that area and uh the the same broker brought us the second deal okay Uh, because we you know we have a track record of closing Mm. and and uh, we leverage that to get a, our next deal. And, okay. you know, so the, the second deal was actually, you know, we got the opportunity to do an early access agreement and uh, almost preempt the deal, mm. the offer. Um, so we didn't, we weren't in like multiple competition, mm. you know? Uh, and and uh, so, yeah, it's all about building relationships. And the reason we chose these larger metro areas is because, uh, we're raising money from Canadians as well, right? So, yeah. 
uh, and they if they haven't heard of a city, they're likely not going to invest, right? So okay, good point. So that it just makes it a lot easier because they're at least familiar with the city and it, it you know has uh, large uh, employers and headquarters, for example, in Atlanta. Makes you sense. Know, we've got the headquarters, um, Coca Cola headquarters, CNN, yeah, UPS, FedEx. You know, all these large companies that that they've heard of are located in in Atlanta. And this established a development already planning there with main highways and as you mentioned, it's a big community. Yeah, it's uh, it's a large multifamily market as well. So yeah. we're targeting. You know, uh, I would say any market that is uh, $50 billion or more, hmm. um, uh, you know, give you an example, 100, uh, Dallas is a $140 billion market. Hmm. Uh, Atlanta and, tech and, and, and Houston is another $100 billion each. Yeah. Um, and GTA, all of GTA is around $100 billion. Yeah, yeah. As yeah. well. Yeah. I think the price per door there is more than, uh, uh, I don't know about Atlanta, but uh, the price per door is more than 180 now there. Atlanta? Yeah. Uh, yeah, pricing, it really depends on where you're located. Okay. So if it's a classy building in, a, I would say, you know, a seek area, then you're going to get a much price, a much lower price point. Yeah. Um, you know that may, area may have a little bit more crime, more challenges, of course. Uh, more challenges to deal with. But you're gonna get it. You know, let's say you know close to hundred thousand a unit, right? Yeah. Whereas um, in a in a nicer suburb of Atlanta, you you're gonna you're gonna be buying at uh, you know one forty to one sixty a unit. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. more. It depends on the quality of the property. Yeah. And you know. It's not just uh, based on price per unit, but also the net income. Yeah. I think my next question would be a general question about the transition itself. Because your model is based on, you live in Missaga, but you're running a business in US, which come uh, to this, uh, how you manage to uh, work with your long distance business model to create your core, core team, including, as you mentioned, it's about trust relationship with uh, your core team, which is uh, commercial relators, uh, property managers, because this is both main anchors to succeed, to be honest, when you're uh, uh, approaching the long distance uh, management uh, style. So how you started this relationship? One side, the second part also the lending side, because uh, uh, me personally, um, one of the challenges with me was both on the ground that you have to have an actual um, at least uh, investment on single family uh, style before you start to jump in. Uh, but not all of the lenders, of course, but this is one of the challenges for the Canadians to work on uh, the US side on the multifamily. So what was your experience and your steps to manage to succeed on this long distance uh, management style? Yeah, and then it's... Um... You know, you don't try to do it everything on your own, right? Uh, okay. You you partner with people that you can leverage your experience. So, for example, mm -hmm. property manager, we're dealing with a, a an excellent property manager uh, in the local market. Mm -hmm. they, they 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 manage over ten thousand units. Mm -hmm. They have uh, systems and and processes in place. 
Um, and the other reason we were targeting like usually a hundred units or more is because they, you know, there's a, there's a, for example, two staff on site, two, uh, two leasing staff on site, and then two maintenance staff on site. You know, so there's a, um, it becomes a lot more efficient to manage these properties because there is always somebody on site uh, uh, to do the leasing or the maintenance items. And then, you know, everything else is uh, kind of subcontracted out. Um, but yeah, you rely on a, on a, on a team that's going to help you to get to where you want to do, right? There's, there's, there's uh, a lot of people that you can partner with. For example, uh, us, we, we also park, partner with uh, other uh, capital raisers. And then um, and because we, we, we found the deal, we did all the uh, underwriting, we present a deal uh, to other potential partners and they may want to become a part of our team. So is it going to be co-GPs or going to be easy? Correct, be... yes. Yeah, co-GPs. Okay, yeah. I like this uh, approach. Uh, but again, you didn't tell me about how you managed to start the actual relationship, how long it take you to, uh, because potentially you're going to have uh, multiple interviews until you found your preferred uh property manager but in your case it's going to be the via versa because you're new to the, the market so the property manager is going to interview you not it's not only one way it's going to be two ways a, a, a discussion so how long did it take you to establish this relationship with your core team yeah and and what, so what we do is we you know uh, earlier in the last couple of years uh, i used to attend a lot of events uh, virtually and, uh, you know, nowadays in person to network with uh, a lot of other operators okay. um, and other operators that are already doing deals in this specific market, mm. right? Or in these markets that I'm interested in, okay. whether it be Dallas or Atlanta. Mm. And then, um, you know, you form a relationship with them and, and um, if they're, they've already done a deal, you can per perhaps tag along with them mm. um, and then learn the process. And then you kind of leverage that to get to your next deal. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, I think my next question will be uh, about lending side. So you mentioned at the beginning that you were relying on debt partners, not uh, equity partners. How has this changed with the time right now? Are you still looking only for VTB or second mortgage or promissory notes, or it's now more about equity partners? Uh, in the U.S. or in Canada? Both. Both. Okay. Because you but said in, that you have Canada, already. We we yeah in Canada uh, we are the um, we own hundred percent of all of our properties. Okay. Um, because we we did not have any equity partners. Hmm. Um, but in the U.S., our model is completely different. We we have uh, all equity partners. Okay. Um. And, and the main reason is because I, you know, we are able to offer them a much better return and I feel comfortable about executing our business plan because hmm. we're able to follow, uh, there's no restrictions with the uh, landlord issues and rent control. So we can at least follow our business plan and, and move forward. Um, there's no speculation. You, you, you mean yeah, there's no exactly. speculation about the plan, which makes 100%, sense. Of course. 100%. Yeah. 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 Uh, whereas in, in Ontario, we didn't feel comfortable with that approach. Hmm. 
and, and so we didn't go with equity raise. We um, we just did the the debt way. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, my next question will be an actual deal structure part, which is uh, I would like to highlight your largest deal and uh, like more details about how you get the deal, um, uh, purchase price, a uh, number of unit, um, your renovation yeah. cost, and all of these details. I, I'm going to ask you a question, by, like uh, multiple questions, so we can understand how you manage. Uh, by the way, you closed the deal, I think. We were talking about the Atlanta deal. It was a yep. huge deal. I think 318 unit, correct? 328, yeah. 28, I'm sorry. Yeah. So uh, what was the purchase price for the deal? That one was uh, 32 million. 32 million, yeah. okay. Uh, number We're of currently units. now working on another deal, which is also in Atlanta, in a, in a nicer suburb. Okay. Um, and that one is 19 million Okay. Um, for 122 units. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's um, we're really excited about that one uh, that's coming through. Which uh, one you want to start with? You want to start with the old one or the new one? So maybe I can just describe a little bit about like so what we're doing is in the U.S. are what's called multifamily syndications, right? Yes. So you mentioned about the structuring part. Uh, it's a it's an LPGP model, which is a LP yeah. meaning limited partners where all the equity is raised through limited partners and the general partners being the, the manager of the asset, the, the lead sponsors. Yes. Right. And um, so, yeah, this specific deal um, that we're working on is, uh, you know, we're really excited about it's uh, took a took us a while to get to, you know, there's a lot of bumps uh, along the way to get this, one through yeah. uh, we had some issues with the uh, physical due diligence and, and mm. trying to negotiate back and forth with the, with the seller, but it's finally kind of coming through. So you, you close on the deal or it's under, no, the... no, it's uh it's not cro uh, closed yet. Uh, we're be, under we're be closing in a couple of months. So it's under contract already. Yeah. You want to talk about this deal or you want to talk about the other one? Sure. Yeah. We, yeah. Either way. <laughs> we can start with the old one because I think you had already more solid uh, information about it. So how long did it take you to close the deal and who brought you the deal? Who, what, sorry? Who brought you the deal? Yeah, it, it was through broker relationships. Okay. Right? And, um, uh, you know, there, there's, there's only like in any given market, there's going to be probably going to be like five brokers that deal primarily with commercial multifamily. Right. Yes. And, and uh, especially like 100 units above, to, to, uh, yeah. above. Hmm. Um, there's going to be some that are primarily like institutional level um, brokers, which they, they only deal with, like, you know, maybe 300 plus units, which is REITs and uh, trust yeah. fund and, managers. And, and primarily REITs are buying like class A properties. Yeah. Right. They're not interested in like the value add class C properties. So that's where, um, you know, uh, any syndicator can come in and, and uh, purchase those properties. So yeah. you establish a good relationship with the with the brokers. You know, me personally, I I flew down and met people face to face, and and uh, built that relationship. Um, and then uh, you know, you're you're gonna be getting you know deals in your inbox, uh, and, and so depending on how many you can underwrite 
yeah. uh, that fits your sandbox. That's what you keep continue to do, right? Um, so what and, is the best time to do the underwriting after 10 a.m.? 10, 10 p.m. when all of the kids are sleeping? Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have another partner that does primarily the underwriting. Okay. Um, that uh, whom you met uh, perhaps at the, uh, the event. Uh, but yeah, so it, he does uh, the underwriting and if, if it uh, met, meets within our, our, you know, investment criteria, like the, what I mentioned about cash on cash and the total return, yep. uh, you know, with a fairly conservative approach, right? Yeah. Where especially now with the, the way the debt markets are, uh, we, we got to take that into consideration where, you know, we're underwriting at, uh, at like 5% plus cap, uh, interest rates Interesting. and also lower loan to cost. So, um, we, yeah. And then, uh, once that is done, then you, you, you know, book a flight to go see the property. Um, okay. you know, be in contact with the, with the broker. And obviously the next step would be to go tour the property. So, uh, how long it take you to do the, uh, the underwriting and how long it take you to, uh, for the conditional offer? It was for how long, three, four weeks or for the conditional yeah, it, offer? It's, um, the uh, it's not a it's not a directly an offer. It's a, we we first submit a letter of intent, yeah, um, and then uh, and then move forward uh, based on that. Um, so you know it, it's depends on if you're in competition or not. Then you know there there's a best and final offer date. Mm. Um, Correct. But now now you know things are kind of slowing down a little bit. Um, less. Uh, less offers these days than it used to be. It depends on the property and the area and all of that. No, I'm talking about the Atlanta deal, the 328. How long yeah. did it take you to close the deal? Uh, uh, well, closing, two months? Closing in the U.S. happens fairly quickly. Okay. Um, uh, uh, so we, we got this one, that, that under contract in um, October okay. of last year, and we closed yes. in February. Uh, almost three months, almost three months, including uh, Christmas you, time. It would have been actually a little bit faster, but we were delayed with uh, some third-party appraisers and uh, environmentals okay. and all that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, what was the plan? It was like force appreciation, and how much was the renovation cost? Yeah. So, our plan in, on that specific property is to uh, put in about seven thousand dollars per unit in interior upgrades renovate okay. the units, right? Okay. Um, and we're bumping the rents from, let's say, on average, 950 to around 1250 Okay, it's a lot. $300 um, more, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, we're also doing some improvements uh, to exterior, like, you know, uh, seal and stripe the parking lots, uh, add in more exterior lighting. Um, Landscape? La- a little bit of landscaping, tree trimming, you know, make it look a bit more presentable. Um, but you know, for the most part, it was exterior wasn't, uh, was pretty well maintained. Hmm. There's some roof uh, repairs to be done. So things like that, but primarily, you know, our, our, our budget is going towards, uh, CapEx budget is going towards interior upgrades. Okay. And, um, yeah, so, so we're just in the process of implementing that plan. Okay. So what was the NOI before and after, like before close, like, uh, on day one and after doing the renovation, 
the NOI. You know why I I I we analyze so many as I don't know on top of my head. <laughs> okay. um, yeah. yeah, yeah. No worries. It's a it's a it's a um, yeah. It's just been yeah. long time. Yeah. Uh, my next question would be how you made your deal investor friendly. How you uh, and this one I think you raised the equity partners with which yeah. is basically the LB part. So how uh, you approach your uh, investors. And how you made that deal investor friendly? And you mentioned one of the the issues which is I like, which is choosing a uh, known um, market for our Canadian investors, so they can make uh, uh, or understand where it is actually. Uh, it's I think it's easier to talk about Atlanta than when you're talking about Birmingham in Alabama. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So, what was your approach to make that deal friendly? Yeah, you know what. Um... The biggest, I would say, the people people want to see the returns, right? Um, mm. Obviously, once you have a relationship with the investor, the next thing is they want to they you know as the first step is obviously they have to know like you and know you like you and then and then trust you, right? Once that is done, then the next step is you know what kind of returns are we looking at, mm. and the returns are. Uh, you know the the cash flow and the equity growth is just. can beat what you're getting in the US. Hmm. So in terms of that perspective, it's kind of an easy uh, sell to the investors. Hmm. Uh, however, the, I guess the probably the number one question I get is about the tax implications and yeah. you know because it, it obviously there's a you know extra layer of complexity because you're investing across uh, a border, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, I would say that that uh, The because of their higher returns, uh, the high cash flow is probably the most attractive part. Because some investors, you know, they don't want to wait uh, five six years to get their returns. Mm-hmm. They were they're they're looking to you know get some cash flow now. And and at you know with seven to eight percent cash flow, uh, uh, it's is very attractive. Hundred percent. Because that uh, that they get that money in their account on a quarterly basis. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're using uh, every three months. You're, uh, you're. Uh, okay. Yeah, we do a quarterly distribution with our the cash flow. So I think my next question will be, um, how you structure the deal from the uh, legal side of credit and accredited? Did you uh, approve any non-accredited investor on your deals, especially on the last one, or all of them was accredited investors? Especially to yeah. meet with the U.S. part, which is 506B and 506C, when you're uh, presenting your deals. Yeah, so we did a 506B offering, uh, the, which is uh, basically, like you mentioned, uh, SEC regulation, hmm. and uh, 506B allows you to work with uh, non-accredited investors as long hmm. as you have a personal relationship, yeah. whether they be friends, family, or business associates. Um, so that's that's the route we chose. Um, yeah, so they were a mixture of both. Okay, okay. Um, um, the next one was the structure. Always, as people think about when you're because in your case you're collecting or you have the two sides. You have credit. You have U.S. investor and foreign investors. How you dealt with the security part of having the two different. Uh, loan structure from two different sides 
because you're collecting money from or raising money from U.S. partners and uh, Canadian partners. I know uh, before we jump into this, I think we're just saying that this is just a high level. And if anyone need to uh, understand more, have to uh, consult his security lawyer and accountant to get more information about this. Yeah, for sure. I highly recommend uh, people seek their legal and financial advice. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so we we have for for the American investors, it's a simple process because we uh, you know it's a straightforward, right? They they don't have to do with any cross border stuff as long as the securities uh, laws are met. Yeah. Um, and you know um, that portion. And then uh, for the from the Canadian side, it's the yeah we. Uh, depending on where you're raising the money from, because the U.S. part is a federal thing. SEC covers entire USA, mm. whereas um, with uh, Canada, there is provincially regulated the securities laws, right? So, so there's a there's an Ontario Securities Commission, uh, British Columbia Securities Commission. So you have to deal with uh, depending on where your investor comes from. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for uh, you have to we have to go through a securities lawyer here, in order for to make sure we're compliant with uh, raising money from Canadians. So I think the the, the actual advice here, when you're doing the similar deals, you have to have different two different lawyers uh, to comply with two different. Uh, That's correct. Yes. Yeah, with Ontario, for example, and whatever states you're you're investing in on US. That's right. That's right. Uh, my next one will be a little bit tricky because you're a Canadian investor where we are really uh, famous with a 50-50 approach. But in U.S., it's more about 70-30, uh, 80-20 maybe for a uh, profit split. So in, in your um, uh, late, latest experience, how you approach this when you're dealing? Because when you're dealing with U.S. Uh, investor, uh, they're more uh, uh, familiar with the 70-30 approach. Yeah, but here in Canada, it's 50-50. And that's the, for, you know, I would say, like you mentioned, uh, syndications are primarily multifamily syndications to be yeah. specific. They are, uh, there's a range, right, of, uh, it could be 70-30 split or, you know, 80-20 split or anything in between. Yeah. Um, right. So we have, uh, we primarily do 70-30 split, hmm. uh, of which 70% uh, of the profit sharing yeah. is goes to the investors. So your waterfall is always uh, based on the profit only percentage wise, not an, uh, I'm not going to say guarantee return because there's nothing guaranteed here. We're doing our best efforts, uh, but it's based on uh, the actual profit percentage, correct? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. So, yeah, so there's a split among everything, right? Uh, cash flow. Yeah. Um, and not to get too complicated, but there's also a preferred return Returns. portion. Yeah. Right, and then just to let the, just to give you what that preferred return means is that, for example, on our deals, it's a usually an eight percent preferred return. So that that simply means that the uh, first eight percent return goes to the the investors. The before, passive investors first, yeah. Yeah, uh, before it gets distributed to the the GPs. The GPs, yeah, correct. Um, I think you, you mentioned something that's really scaring all of the passive investors to work on U.S., which is double taxations. So um, uh, what was your approach to uh, show or present this uh, 
solution to avoid double taxation for them? Yeah, uh, main thing is to seek uh, correct uh, legal and cross-border advice. Yes. Uh, and, you know, so for example, uh, if you are using, you know, in, uh, common in the U.S. is uh, using an LLC, Yes. right? Uh, however, LLCs are not recognized by Canada in Canada, right? So you cannot the CRA, use that. You the CRA use that they didn't recognize the LLC. Correct. So we use a uh, an LP uh, um, structure, right? And uh, so um, we formed the LP uh, for American LP on behalf of the Canadians that are investing, and and uh, it's it's kind of a fund to fund structure. So and as you mentioned, money. you have to cross yeah. check with uh, uh, um, a specialist on the cross borders taxes to give you the um, the actual advice based on your case. But hundred percent, what you said is hundred uh, percent correct. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think uh, my next question will be uh, about uh, the inflation. It's a general question about the inflation. How the inflation affected uh, your um, system for raising capital and uh, choosing deals lately unless especially starting from february yeah you know what uh there's a lot of uncertainty in uh in the markets right now in 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 our economy and um you know so i i tell our, our investors that hey look what's happening in the stock market what what kind of alternative investment vehicle do you really have mm-hmm. right um especially in a high interest rate environment uh, and a high inflation environment, uh, you want to you you bet your money in a hedge against inflation type of uh, investment, which, you know, my opinion, real estate and specifically multifamily is the best spot. Because although everything else is changing in the world, you know, uh, people always need a place to live. And that's what we're providing them. We're providing people with workforce housing. So it's not a luxury apartments. Mm -hmm. It's just basic, clean, nice, affordable apartments for people to live in. And, you know, with um, there's there's obviously still a huge shortage in the U.S., obviously in Canada, a big, much bigger shortage. But there's, uh, you know, roughly 1.5 million rental housing that's needed in the U.S. that are uh, that that cannot be satisfied. Yes. So there's there's still pressure for the rentals, uh, re- uh, the rents to go keep going up. Yeah. And that's what obviously we are. Uh, we make sure our properties are well cared for and and they look much better than our com- com- competition, so that we get better rents and 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 um, you know our uh, investors are happy as well. Hundred percent. Uh, my next fun question will be based on 12 years experience. What would be your superpower? How do you define your superpower? Yeah, I would say my superpower is my, my partner, uh, my partner in crime, my wife, uh, Khadija. She's, uh, truly been a, a great support for me, hmm. uh, in my journey. And, and she's an integral part of our business as well. Um, so really we work on our business together and, uh, that's why we've kind of became a power couple and grew together. Uh, so 
you know, her support has been absolutely amazing. I think this is a great question, as a great answer, and you're gonna have a great night today. Mm-hmm. She's gonna be like, she's gonna love this answer. So, uh, yeah. So, my next question will be about mentorship and coaching. Who was your influential mentor on the last two years, especially on the multifamily as a role model and uh, or in the business in general? Yeah, I, um, I wouldn't say I have any specific ones, but I have read through a lot of books uh, in the multifamily space. Uh, there's lots of great authors, uh, you know, for example, you know, Joe Fairless, mm-hmm. uh, specifically for the syndication apartment uh, apartment book. syndication yeah yeah um you know there is um uh, multiple other ones like uh michael blanc um, oh yeah and um i think michael like, is uh focus on atlanta market correct michael blanc is in uh there's a few people at atlanta i mean they're they're kind of diversified um yeah but yeah these there's lots of resources um, U.S. is a huge multifamily market, so there's so many mm-hmm. great podcasts and, yeah. and uh, books out there, resources, coaching programs, um, you know, that uh, you could be part of. Uh, but ultimately, you know, it comes down to taking action and, and figuring it out along the way, right? Yes, um, yes. And yeah. each, each deal, each, each one is getting a step closer to your um, goal. You, yeah, our goal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for so much for doing this to us. And uh, my final question will be: How people can follow your success? Yeah, so uh, we have a great uh, podcast out as well. Uh, there's a no, number of ways you can reach us. So one is the please listen to our podcast. It's called the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show, hmm. available on iTunes. You can uh, reach me through Instagram, Jose Jafarji um and uh yeah or just go to our website savvy real estate.ca that's great that's great and uh, again yeah thank you a lot for coming to the show and we'd love to bring your partners on next time uh I, you have a great uh powerful uh partner helping you on uh, raising uh, and scaling your portfolio and we're really happy to bring you again to the show yeah thanks for having me thanks a lot